Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Little Chapters podcast. I'm Kate. And I'm Jess. And today we are going to be talking about self-employment, but don't switch off if that's not for you, because we're not going to do that kind of classic, this is how great we are, this is our story, and how amazingly successful we are. We want to talk a little bit about the realities of working for yourself and debunk some of the myths and just kind of give a little bit more of an insight into some of the stuff that other people might not talk about when it comes to self-employment. Yeah. I, I just want to talk about the intro because I feel like we've got it now. I think that needs to be um, appreciated. And I'm also really happy that we're not in season two because, full disclosure, listeners, last week Kate said, and this is the last episode of this <laughs> season. And I was like, what? <laughs> And then it was like it was like we were dating and it was like, oh, well, I don't want to tell her that I really wanted to carry on the podcast because she might not want to carry on the podcast. I know. <laughs> so we had to get our lovely podcast editor, Alex, to edit that bit out. So <laughs> we're still here. We're rolling with it. Yeah, we're going to keep going until you tell us to stop. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, self-employment. Excited yeah. to dive into this one, especially with the whole theme being you know, living the life that you want to live mm-hmm. instead of the one you feel like you should. I feel like at the minute, I don't know, I feel like we're a generation of side hustlers. Like mm. side hustle never used to be a word when I was growing up. Not that I'm that old now, but it feels like it's um, it's really become a thing. Um, mm. And I feel like I'm having a lot of conversations with people who want to go self-employed, but it is a really scary thing to do. And I don't think that it is necessarily encouraged within our culture. Mm. I think in other cultures, I'm thinking about, I want to say Italy, I'd have to check it to be sure. But I want to say in Italy, I think it's it's much more common for people to be self-employed in general. Whereas in Britain it's you know it's a really scary thing I mean Mm. I grew up with my mum was she worked in the NHS forever so the idea of self-employment to people like that is very very terrifying Mm. but it was always something that that I wanted to do and that's how I wanted to well let's start like share our own stories Mm. what's your what's your self-employment story because we're both self-employed yeah oh well I want to come back to it as something that you always wanted to do because I'm quite surprised about that but anyway yeah I agree with you that kind of when you're growing up in the UK well but maybe at the time we were growing up self-employment is somebody in your year's dad who has a company that's like very small like does it locally like that was what i thought self-employment was and there was always a bit of like ooh around it of it being so unusual that somebody has this company and employs people and blah, blah, blah. and so that was what i always just thought self-employment was and you're right it was never an option but also never something that i thought i would want i've always been very focused growing up about thinking about what career I wanted and what that was going to look like and the corner office and all that sort of thing and was very focused on climbing the ladder and it it was really 
kind of a bolt out of the blue, really, that it it had ne- I had probably actively not wanted to be self-employed. Like I'd never wanted to f- be a freelancer. That felt really unstable. And... I was going to say, is it because of the fear? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it just, it was a very, that's not for people like me kind of thing. Like I was somebody who was going to have a job. So I remember doing a marketing course once and somebody else in the course had asked the tutor who was freelance, like, don't you feel, don't you feel at risk? And he was like, well, no, because my wife got made redundant. But if I lose one client, I've still got 10 others. And that was the first time for me, it was like, oh, there is an alternate reality here that maybe this isn't as unstable as I've always been led to think. And then really what kind of happened was as I started the blog and started growing the blog and being more involved on Instagram, I got less and less enamoured with my own job. And then the planets aligned, the opportunity came up for us to move to Wales and that was an easy way to have my notice in and kind of a more low risk way to start self-employment in that we were moving to somewhere where it was cheaper to live. But yeah, so that's kind of how it happened. So there was a strong amount of intention there. Like I had already started working with Jen and kind of got her as a coach with the view to maybe one day doing something on my own and and not having to work. But then... Oh, that must have been a big investment though to have done that with the, the maybe... Well, it, it yeah, I guess, but because I was working full time, it wasn't uh, as much of a risky investment because I was going to get paid the next month anyway. So it, financially, it was, yeah, an investment, but not one that was like, oh, if I make this investment now, I don't know whether I'm going to get paid again next month, you know? Okay. So, and so it was kind of like there to... I did it really to set the intention for myself and as a bit of accountability that this was something that I wanted to do. So I needed some accountability to do it. Mm. And then like a month later, we moved to Wales. (laughs) And so it became a very good investment at that point. Yeah, it all happened Mm. very quickly as well. Yes, yeah. And you kind of woke up one day and all of a sudden you were self-employed and living in Wales. <laughs> Pretty much. That is, and I'd had a kind of idea of things I might do, but at the time that we moved, I had no plan. I had no business model. I didn't... I, when we moved, I was going to just do freelance marketing services. Um, oh, wow. So it had... The business model had to catch up pretty quickly with the circumstances. Oh, see, I feel like your story is such a romantic fantasy. Fair, like I wish my story was that glamorous. I ran <laughs> I feel away like to Wales and became self-employed. Up. Mine was a mess. Mine was a total mess. But I mean, when I was growing up, I wanted to be one of two things. <laughs> I wanted to be, and still, in an ideal world, I would be an international show jumper. That is my dream. <laughs> Just standard, such yeah. an amazing, glamorous life. Um, but I, I didn't have the um, bottle is the northern word is that the right word will yeah. everyone understand that I don't, guts? yeah southerners will understand bottle <laughs> great just checking <laughs> didn't have the bottle for that I lost that when I was younger and or an actress was what I wanted to be which will probably shock everyone yeah that shocks me does it yeah, yeah. back in the day that I went to acting classes and I did my exams and that was you know I used to practice my Oscar speech with the shampoo bottle that was (laughs) genuinely what I what I really wanted to do neither of those things involved having a boss Mm. so 
I'm not very good at being told what to do. I realized that very quickly when I got proper jobs and I've had a lot of jobs. I've changed jobs quite frequently. Never ever been good at being told mm. what to do because I always think I know better and I always want to do my own thing. Yeah, that's that's exactly the same as me actually that I started to realize like I'd done a I'd changed jobs quite quickly. Like, I don't think I was at a job for longer than 18 months. And I'd always thought that the job was the problem. But then actually, once I became mm. self-employed, I was like, oh, it was yeah, me. Yeah, no, I used to get that a lot. Because it was Jason that used to say, you know, well, all these things that you're the thing that's in common with <laughs> yeah. all these jobs that you hate. You know, it can't be that all these jobs are terrible. And I really do feel sorry for previous bosses of mine, actually, because I'm, I'm sure it was a nightmare um but it, it you know it wasn't for me and I, I ended up in the worst place possible for someone who highly values freedom and creativity um I ended up in the NHS which was a complete and utter disaster and I ended I actually ended up getting quite badly bullied in my last job in the NHS which pure was purely because I, I just I didn't fit in I was in the wrong place not that that's any excuse and Workplace bullying is horrendous and anyone else who's experienced it, God, you have my full sympathies. And it took talking Jason into taking me on because he's got a financial advice business. He's been self-employed for, I think he's going on for 10 years now. Very early on when when we got together, he made the leap and, and went self-employed. So I kind of took the leap into going self-employed but kind of not as well because I had him and he'd got a business you know it was established as a bit of a buffer and then obviously six months ago now I did it again um and oh, I has it been took, six months it's been six months yeah because it was September mm. about six months I decided I was gonna take my blog and whatever else it is that I'm building <laughs> right now. Very like specific. I said, it's not, it's not your version. It's not a glamorous story at all. It's like, okay, I'm making money and maybe I can make more if I actually give it my full attention and it, it can become a thing because I'd rather do all my creative work than I would do Jason's work. And, you know, I hate being told what to do. Having your husband as a boss for someone like me, that was a bad idea as well. I feel sorry for what he had to put up with. <laughs> and the more interested in my creative work I got, the more I used to let him down. And yeah, I wasn't the best <laughs> partner in the end. So yeah, then I did it again. So I feel like I've done it twice mm. in the last two years in that I've stepped away from, you know, that secured salaried buffer position mm. and, and let taking a leap of faith if you will and teetered into the unknown <laughs> were those two experiences similar was one scarier than the other oh stepping into my own spotlight was much scarier much much scarier and I didn't I didn't have the confidence to do it the first time around I needed I'm just I'm not the bravest of people and I'm not a big risk taker and I have a really you know I have a lot of work to do on my relationship with my money mindset so I, I always use money as the biggest excuse as mm -hmm. to why I can't do something and you know I struggle to believe in myself a lot it's something that I'm working on but the, so yes the second time around felt much scarier but it got to the point where it mattered more to me to do it 
because I would have always regretted not doing it if I hadn't Mm -hmm. given it a go and you know I'm six months in and it's it's working out so far I made definitely made the right decision so yeah it's interesting how our stories are different but quite intentional as well oh yeah no I didn't I didn't fall in I didn't fall into it I wouldn't say and I was always in the build-up to it I you know I have I launched my ebook last February so that's been out for a year now I did workshops last year and I've been making money from things like affiliate links and sponsored content on Instagram and a bit of travel work as well. Writing is a whole other ball game, and that is, I mean, you'll agree, it's hard to make mm-hmm. money as a writer. Don't let anyone tell you different. <laughs> but yeah, these things were, you know, I was intentionally doing that work and trying to build it up to the point where I thought, okay, now it feels safe enough for me to go into it I didn't just wake up one day and say right I'm gonna you know start a business and let's see where this goes Mm. and I don't know whether it's because we're in terms of the history of online business we're at a point where the people on pedestals were the front runners so their stories are very like oh I fell into this and then I just woke up and I had a million dollars and like it it all it all seemed like it happened really organically for them. And I think a lot of people think, well, if I have to push it, if I'm intentional with wanting to make money out of this, that's somehow wrong, that it has to start as this creative endeavour and then just magically it all just happens for you. Because I don't think that happen- can happen anymore. Well, no, because, you know, the we both came from the, you know, the, our blogs were where we started, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe me, Instagram more, but I... I didn't really take my Instagram seriously until I got my, until I'd started my blog. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, That's yeah. what made it really real. But yeah, both of us started out with a blog and blogging really took off properly in what, 2007, 2008? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, the, the people who've been doing it the longest probably started their blogs back then. Mm. And it was very organic. I mean, nobody knew what they were doing. Nobody knew that there could ever be any money made out of it it was it was an organic thing and like you said now you know you see people on these pedestals and you think oh okay so this is like what this is a valid industry now that we can (laughs) you know we can get involved in without that I'm not sure I don't think I'd have ever been one of the the front runners what about no. you? No, I wouldn't. I mean, I tried and failed. I wish I had been. Yeah, me too. I wish I'd stuck with that Tumblr that I started in 2009. Oh, <laughs> I never did Tumblr. I didn't either. I, I set one up and then never put anything on it <laughs> because nobody was looking at it because I wasn't telling anyone about it. But yeah, no, I definitely needed a model to know that it was even a thing. Yeah. A, a possibility. Me too. And then was very intentional from that of a, okay, well, that's worked for that person. Therefore, it can probably work for me. How can I create something that is going to help that happen for me? Yeah, because I definitely wanted to create my own version of something. It wasn't to the point where, um, you know, you see someone on a pedestal. And this is this can happen in certain self-employment arenas because obviously blogging and making money online is just one version of being self-employed there's a whole spectrum of things that people can do 
I didn't want to follow a certain person's path. So I'm thinking about someone self-employed, like what Jay does, you know, financial advisors. Mm-hmm. There's a set path to follow. Things, you know, like plumbers, electricians, they mm-hmm. all... I didn't want to do that kind of thing where I looked at one particular blogger and thought, okay, yeah, that's the way it's done. I'm just going to take all the same steps that they did. Yeah, It's much more fluid in our industry, which is a, a wonderful thing. And I do feel like I've put my own spin on what it is that I do. And I'm glad that I've done it that way. Because the, this is the thing with the whole blogging thing and making money online. I feel like there are a lot of myths around. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Emphatically, yes. <laughs> I think there are loads of them. And I think maybe because it is such a new industry in the grand scheme of things, if we are talking about 2000. 2008 as the birth of it that's incredibly new yeah you know it's it's barely in its awkward teenage years so I don't think people are talking about it very much and you know books haven't been written about it not many studies have been done about it we're all in this learning phase and I feel like there's a lot of cloaks over the realities of it Mm. and with that I think come these myths so yeah, with regard to making money online, being self-employed, but having a online business, there are things like, you know, overnight sellout e-courses is mm-hmm. one that's coming up. The fact that there are all these secrets, but in order to to know them, you have to pay me £400. You have to do all these all these courses. And I think that's the key of why there are these cloaks and why it all there are the, these myths exist because a lot of the online business industry is about teaching people how to do online business. So it kind of well, that's, that's part the natural of that progression. Marketing. That has been the natural progression, isn't it? Bloggers were they were great at making money as bloggers. Yeah. So then the na- that you can only make so much money as a blogger doing sponsored work because in a way you've still kind of got a boss in the brands the way to really go to the next level is to you know become your own boss and build your own courses and things Mm -hmm. and start teaching other people which is what a lot of them have gone on to do they've got their own products now so it perpetuating those myths is in the interests of people who want to they make their money by raising the curtain so they've got to keep the curtain down to everybody else oh my gosh i didn't oh that make that gives me shivers. <laughs> oh, it really does. So we end up with this whole yes, it's possible mm. to be self-employed. As and I'm thinking of women in particular. Yes, it's possible to be a self-employed woman, work from home, make money online, but we've still got a long way to go in figuring out how that can look for everyone. Mm. And I think it can it can feel like a very overwhelming thing for a lot of people. You know, oh, I'd love to do that, but I don't know how. And I guess that's where, yeah, it does benefit people to push the the myths. But one of the other myths, I think, one that really annoys me is this, you know, one woman girl boss against the world kind mm. of thing. How you can do it all alone. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, what I found both the first time around and more, but more so the second time around in these last six months is that you're going to need support and the support that is around you will directly impact how well you're able to do. 
So I'm thinking about things like if, say, your partner isn't supportive. I felt really lucky in that after initially having a major freak out and not knowing how to deal with it, Jason got over that and, <laughs> you know, came back downstairs and said, okay, yeah, I, th- I think you're doing the right thing. You know, I, I fully support you 100%. We can make this work. If he hadn't done that, I would have had a much harder time. Mm-hmm. Likewise, if, you know, my family didn't support me and they do support me, bless them. They just don't have, a, they don't get it, but they do support my endeavours. If they didn't, if they were telling me, well, you know, you should, I really wish you'd be, you'd done this. You should be doing this. What about this? You know, if they'd been planting those obstacles constantly, that would have really made a difference And I think that can be the biggest blocker for a lot of people. So I don't think that one woman, girl boss against the world vision helps because it's not just you in it when you're Mm -hmm. self-employed. And the whole, the the very word self-employed suggests just one, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. But I think, I think it's much bigger than that. Have you found, have you found the same? Well, I mean, uh, yes and no in that, so with, it, we could never have even started it without Dan being willing to support the fact that I wasn't going to go and get a job. And that, that was part of the reason that we moved and was because he knew that it would give me the opportunity to start something um, with less pressure financially. But then on the other side of it, certainly initially my family weren't supportive at all they thought it was a huge mistake and I think that now they're realizing it wasn't a huge mistake but it's not something that I talk to about them readily because an amount of damage was done there so it's not something that I feel kind of safe talking to them about and so we talk about other things we just don't talk about my work and what I'm doing so I guess that yes that support is important Mm. but you have to find it somewhere else if it's not forthcoming. Yeah, exactly. I think that there's there's too much pressure put on, you know, it's all on you, it's all down to you. I think that it's much more complicated than that. And it is, you're going to have, if you want to go self-employed, you're going to have to get yourself some sort of supportive network. Mm. I'm not saying that has to be, you know, a husband as a breadwinner, but you're going to need, I don't know, like a coach or friends or you know colleagues like we've got each other we support each other yeah I I couldn't have got through the last year without without you (laughs) I'm gonna get the violin (laughs) oh that's so sweet having and and I think the distinction we're making there is between people who get it and people who don't Mm. and that you can have the support of people who don't get it but that that is a different kind of support from the people who do and certainly in my work that's a lot that I see people crave having a conversation with somebody who actually understands what they do and when they say algorithm doesn't kind of go blank and things like that yeah absolutely I think the pressure could, you know, if you're thinking about going self-employed and you're thinking that you've got to do it all alone and everyone's against you, 
I'm just saying that will that will be a much bigger mountain for you to climb. Mm. I think that what would be more helpful is to encourage a you know women to reach out and build networks. And we, I know you agree with this. We say this all the time, but rising tides lift all boats, and mm-hmm. we're very much in it together as opposed to. I don't know why I'm hanging on to this phrase, but the the one woman girl boss. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that doesn't sit with me at all. I don't think that's the way it really is. And I think the more that you can find support both in, you know, other self-employed women in your your family and your partner, the easier ride you, you're going to have. Because mm. that's all it comes down to. That's what, you know, nobody is building a business on an island. No, they're not. It's all about connection. Absolutely. If you want to have a business, you need people to like you <laughs> or have some value from you. But that there has to be a basic connection going on there in order for business to even exist. It's not something that can happen in isolation. It is a human thing. Yeah, that's what I've got to say on that. <laughs> no, I agree. And I, you know, the other thing is that I see this banded around quite a lot that it's you know you can do it too it's it's for everybody mm-hmm. but I don't know about you but I don't think self-employment is for everybody go on well it's rough mm-hmm. it's not easy it's actually I find it really difficult I know we'll go into what we love and hate about it in a bit but yeah I think it's really really tough there's a lot of uncertainty you've not got that monthly salary coming in all the time don't get me wrong there are loads and loads of benefits loads of bonuses that and it's about which outweighs the other for you but I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting a salary job yet I feel like we're in danger at the minute like you know with the side hustle I almost want to call it a trend actually Mm. that being self-employed is now glamorized Mm. and I would hate to think that there were people who feel like that's what they should be doing I think it's all about figuring out we say this over and over don't we it's all about figuring out what's right for you and then having the courage and tenacity to go after that yeah and the it's almost very rare that you see somebody who just has an Instagram account or has a blog but actually loves their day job but they just enjoy blogging and I expect that if you are in that boat, it feels like you would feel a lot of pressure to be like, oh, maybe maybe I'm not an ambitious person or maybe I'm, I don't know, I'm not cool, I'm lame or whatever, to not well, wanting to be monetizing everything. Yeah, no, this is what I mean. And I think for, and the, do you know what? Just literally just realized this, that this is true of myself. When I was still working for Jay, I never talked about that. And I wasn't ashamed of it, but I, I just felt like all I should really talk about is my blog and my creative stuff because that's what's cool. That's what's trendy. Mm. My real job isn't. Yeah, I'm, you know, there isn't lots and lots of money in blogging for everybody. You know, it's not a, a magic velvet curtain that people go through and then they all start making millions. It's, it's, up and down and there's a whole spectrum and a lot of people don't make a lot of money Mm. blogging so these people will also have day jobs yet as you said (laughs) 
no one's talking about that. Well, this uh, this reminds me actually that I was talking to Josephine about it, who I know we mentioned last time. So, friend of the podcast, <laughs> basically the unofficial sponsor of the podcast. <laughs> and what she does is help side hustlers specifically, but she herself felt like she couldn't talk about the fact that she was side hustling. So I know she wrote a blog post about what that kind of contrast between wanting everything to be really perfect and like you're living the self-employment dream and why why is it that we feel we can't talk about the fact we've got a day job yeah because i don't know this makes sense as you know people in society in general but we like to put people in boxes don't Mm -hmm. we and having more than one job i guess is still a very new thing yet perfectly doable perfectly possible and if you are wanting to go self-employed it's also a great stepping stone for you I guess that's what I did because I, you know, I did both for a while, but I definitely didn't didn't talk about my day gig as much as I probably wish I had done. Mm. But no, I don't think there's any any right or wrong, and I I worry that we are in danger of self-employment is the way to go, mm. is the thing that everybody should be striving for, whereas once upon a time that used to be what, I don't know, you know, thinking about typical careers like being a doctor or a solicitor or things like that. It's just not just not the case anymore. But it's- Just because it's possible doesn't mean that you have to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's knowing yourself and your own values that, as you've said, freedom has always been a huge value of yours, where obviously if you have to be in a certain place at a certain time every day, that's going to impinge upon oh, that, re- that value. But I for, hate it. for somebody for whom that isn't a value and actually they want structure and actually something we've perhaps not talked about, they like working in a team and they like to feel part of something. If that's where your value is, then absolutely self-employment is the wrong thing for you to do if you love working in a team. Oh, yeah, because it can get really lonely, Mm. which as, you know, extreme introvert, I absolutely love. And I have been asked before, do you not ever get lonely working from home? No, never do I ever get lonely. You're only six months lonely. (laughs) Well, and also you're more, you've got family and friends around you, which, yeah, so you're not going to get lonely in that way. No, I've never, Mm. never once felt lonely. But at the same time, I have built up a network of people you know, like you, who I can turn to. And we have, uh, you know, the Instagram pod that we've, well, mm-hmm. you started and kindly let me in <laughs> at some point. <laughs> you know, so I think it's important to have those kinds of connections. But that's in, that's enough for me. And I, you know, I do meet up with people now and again, but I don't crave that open plan office no. environment. Because some people do, they, you can, there are apps now where you can have, um, you know, like cafe background noise mm. or work background noise. I that's never silence. worked for me. I, <laughs> I need silence. I need solitude. That's, that's what I love. So yeah, it is all about figuring out what's best for you. And the worst thing of working in is having to make six cups of tea any time that you want fancy a drink. I was dangerously oh, dehydrated because I was like, I just can't be bothered to make a drink for everybody in this room. <laughs> for everyone. So what are your favourite things about being self-employed? What do you what do you love the most? I feel like we've bashed it a bit there, but we, we're both self-employed. What are your favourites? My favourites are being able to 
get up in the morning generally whenever I want. Do you have an alarm? Like today, actually, I didn't. I had a no alarm day. Like I do, if I've got a client call, I set an alarm because I can't trust myself not to, <laughs> to just completely sleep through that. So if I've got something, you know, in the morning, at least that I know I've got to get up for, then I do set an alarm. But, you know, it's not a 7am la- alarm, guys. It's more like a 10, <laughs> 10 a.m. alarm. So that's a big thing. It's it's a funny one because I think you probably feel a lot freer than I do because you don't have like appointments to keep, which is something that I do have. But certainly on the days where I don't have client calls or anything booked in, that feeling that I can just get up when I want and do whatever inspires me that day and know it's something that I'm going to enjoy, that's a really good thing. Being able to go for a walk in the afternoon, when because Dan has like three hours off in the afternoon, so I just take three hours off in the afternoon too. We go for a walk and have a cup of tea together, because that's something we could never do, because like when he'd be off, I'd be at work, and then I'd get home and he'd go to work, so we'd actually only really see each other for like two hours a day when I was working full-time. So it means that we're able to spend more time together, and it gives me more flexibility to go to the beach or book a trip without having to psych myself off to fill out a holiday form. (laughs) Yeah, they're all really good things. What about you? I don't have a beach. I wish I had a beach. I've got the peaks though, so we've got lovely, lovely walks, but I do love the beach. Same to you. I mean, you know, my, my biggest things are, I love the freedom that it gives me and I will happily trade off potential earnings for freedom because that just sits so much higher on my values I love that the opportunities are endless Mm. and I love that the I love the variety that it gives me so that was something that I hated in the NHS my days were the same constantly and it drove me mad I got bored I was like a caged animal Mm -hmm. absolutely hated it so they're my three big things that's a really good one of feeling like everything is in your power and even from a like a I want to do this so I'm going to do it but also Mm. from a kind of money point of view there's not a ceiling in terms of well this is what Mm. I earn every month and I have to wait until my pay review or until somebody on high deems that I'm worthy of more money like if you want to make more money like I can come up with a different product or I can do a workshop or I can do something else yeah I can try new things I'm not, you know, there was a very strict pay scale in the NHS and I was a slave to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I hated that. So I love I love that side, especially with the money. But, you know, for, oh, I'm such a detail person. For me, it's the little details. So it's, it's not having an alarm go off every morning and have to press snooze 10 times. It's not, you know, traffic light after traffic light, mm-hmm. you know, snail riding into the city centre. It's being able to watch Good Morning Britain every morning Piers and Susanna because I don't watch it unless they're on (laughs) they're my (laughs) favourites if I want to watch that I can watch them you know the Oscars were this week or last week and I watched the entire daytime tv coverage of it unashamedly just binged it whereas I know if I'd been at you know my old job I would have been on Twitter and trying to catch up where I could but I could just immerse myself in that and enjoy that oh you're so good see I would feel so guilty doing that 
Oh no. What's it for if I can't do stuff yeah, like no, that? Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely in the right. I'm just like I deprive myself of joy oh. in life. <laughs> <laughs> but your walks on the beach are joy. Yeah. Your time with Dan's joy. Um, I think of other things. Oh, little things like um I don't know any fellow stationary addicts listening, but being able to offset beautiful stationery against tax is quite a perk. <laughs> little things like that I just I just love it they're my reasons but what about the bad because there is bad and we I really don't want to over glamorize this kind of lifestyle because with all that you know everything's a trade-off isn't it Mm. so what what do you hate about being self-employed I mean which is everything (laughs) yeah is everything that um you know the typical businessing podcast would never talk about but what what's bad about it for you I guess it's a a lot of some of the things that we've spoken about in previous episodes like comparison and that kind of thing that you feel so much more intensely and your your work is so personal and yeah like you can't separate yourself yeah that's that's a work in progress yeah so as somebody who has always been awful at taking criticism it that's got so much worse i think for me it's no it's gone you lost it (laughs) should i give you some of mine give you some of maybe it'll get you going because i I, (laughs) strong loves and hates right number one is tax i hate it i hate having to work out my own tax and have to keep an eye on that stuff and kind of, you know, I'll earn money every month and then I'll think, oh, that's great. I've earned this money and automatically 30% of it just disappears where I never used to see that on my payslip. So that can, yeah, that can bother me. Oh, no one thinks I have a proper job. That really bothers me because I love a bit of external validation. Who mm-hmm. doesn't? You know, my mom and my sister will just turn up to the house on a Tuesday afternoon and be like, Hi. Know, come around we're gonna go have some lunch I'm like working trying mm. to build a business here yeah but you know you can take an hour or so off come on yeah well it's not just those kind of it's people like hairdressers and stuff yeah i, I mean in general nobody thinks i've got a, a proper job so no one then you feel like no one gets it and in a in an emotional way that can feel a little bit lonely mm. like i wish and again, that's why it's so important to have a network, I think. Oh, I hate it because I have a spreadsheet for my income and expenses. I hate looking at a blank income spreadsheet that can <laughs> keep me awake at night because I just don't know what, you know, where the money's going to come mm. from. Whereas when I used to have a salary, I knew what I'd get paid every month. It was fine. I also loathed it. But yeah, when I'm having, you know, if I'm feeling a bit down or demotivated at that point in the month, Maybe I've spent the whole day watching Oscars coverage. Mm. <laughs> and I think, oh crap, I need to figure out how I'm going to make money this month. And maybe no brands have got in touch with me or my ebook isn't selling very well or I don't know, all sorts of stuff. The financial insecurity is the biggest downside for me. And I guess especially in the first six months, it's it's I guess it's supposed to be pretty tough. I would expect it to be. Um, not that I'm not, earning any money but nor am I you know rolling in money either it's kind of a a steady climb but that pressure to think that I have to earn all that money myself Mm. without anyone just handing it 
to me and not that they used to hand it to me when I was at the NHS I used to yeah. work but it was a, a fixed agreement I mm. knew I knew where the line yeah you could you could have had an off day and it wouldn't have <laughs> made a difference to what you got at the no. end of the month so that can feel like quite a lot of pressure but I guess do you know what I think the worst part is what? and this can also be the best part it's having myself as a boss Mm. because I'm not but I'm not always that nice to myself mm. I need to go so much easier on myself and I know I said I'd spent the day watching the Oscars but you know the yeah, day after all right. I'm, be- <laughs> I'm beating myself up for it and thinking you know you should be doing more oh god you're not doing as well as as this person is you need to come up with some new ideas now come on what's mm. next what's next and that's the thing that you haven't finished yet thing. Jess you need to work into the night tonight mm. come on I think Having yourself as a boss, especially if you've got quite a loud inner critic, can be, uh, it's, oh God, it's like therapy, to be honest mm. with you. You've, you've got to work on that relationship with yourself, else like, I'd crack under my own pressure. Mm. I think that's the thing for me is the, that's the flip side of the benefit, which is the variety of projects, is that you're always seeking something else you're always trying to be ahead of the curve you're all you see somebody else do something you think oh my god that is exactly what I should have done but now I can't do it and that kind of pressure that you have to keep doing you can't just mm-hmm. you can't just glide along like this for a bit because you have mm-hmm. to keep showing up even when you don't feel like showing up like but you, you can't just delete your Instagram yourself. account no you also have to encourage yourself and mm-hmm. that's something that you don't get in being self-employed you don't have any you don't have anyone unless you have a coach there's nobody there to champion you and tell you that you're doing a really good job Mm. so you have to find other ways of that and also I think even when people do tell you you don't believe them well you don't no you you get (laughs) amazing lovely Instagram comments all the time and you don't (laughs) yeah whenever people say something nice about something I'm done I'm I'm just like oh no it's not (laughs) Oh, and language is so powerful, Kate. You need, do you know what? I had this conversation with my therapist about how I got feedback on one of my workshops. And I was like, but I, I, I know they didn't have a nice time. I know they didn't. They were lying. Mm. She's like, okay, language <laughs> is, <laughs> okay. Language is incredibly powerful. And if you're not accepting a compliment, that's actually, well, it's telling yourself that, you're not worthy of that compliment, that it's not true. Whereas if you accept compliments vocally, or if you're doing it online via, you know, a reply to a comment, just by saying thank you, then that starts rewiring and retraining your brain. So I have to force myself now to say thank you. And it does help and it does make me feel better, even though initially it still makes me squirm. Mm. Because no one else is going to give you a pat on the back are they so we don't have a, a boss to to stroll mm. in and say great job I'm gonna give you a shitty bottle of red wine when you don't drink yeah <laughs> which used to happen to me all the time well and you raise the bar of who you accept things from as mm. well like it starts to be like well so and so hasn't told validated me or like oh. you know the editor of the sunday times hasn't been in touch so oh, they won't they won't return my emails Kate. <laughs> yeah. they don't reply <laughs> so therefore i'm awful and <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah. that you know you've had other people you have to go easy on yourself otherwise otherwise you'd really crack and i feel that 
as as women we're especially hard on ourselves and I think we can make it harder than it has to be by not being a great boss for ourselves Mm -hmm. I think you have to be two people don't you you do have to be the boss Mm -hmm. but you also have to be the worker Mm. the two the two have to coexist in harmony so what would you do differently now I would have started earlier Mm-hmm. I'd have started ages ago. I'd have started that blog in 2008. Mm. Um, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd have ever done the whole, here's how to blog successfully business model. Interestingly though, I am com- my blog's two years old next month. Oh. Yeah, it feels like quite a big deal. And I was going to do a post or something around, th- you know, things that I've learned for other people who might be interested in in what I've got to say. But no, I would have started it a lot sooner. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I would have started it a lot sooner, but then I wouldn't have. What I would have started sooner wouldn't have been the right thing. And I would have ended up on a trajectory that wouldn't have been right and that I may not have wanted to have been on. But in terms of starting to talk about it sooner, that's something I would have done that I'm and this is something that I see a lot with clients is waiting to lot. get, waiting for it to be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and waiting until you are ready to take on clients or to, to do launch the thing, whatever. But then nobody else in the whole world knows about it or really cares. So to start to develop it in the light and in public is what I would have done differently. Mm, I think that's a big thing for people. I, I wrote a piece for... Um, 91 magazine it was a piece of their blog and I interviewed different women who had taken the leap to going self-employed and one of the big recurring themes of my interviews were that they just saying it out loud made it feel more real Mm -hmm. and that they didn't have the reaction that they expected so you know they'd had an idea for say a pottery business for months even years and they never said it out loud because they worried that everyone would think it was stupid, that they laugh at them. But when they did say it out loud, they all of a sudden had this huge support network of people cheering them on. Mm. And that's what gave them the push to do it. Mm. But yeah, no, otherwise I think I couldn't have done it any other way because it wouldn't have turned out the way it has and certainly couldn't have done it while juggling a full-time job and mm. having more expensive rent and things like that. So yeah, I think it is it's all like it's more mindset stuff, I guess. I think that's a really nice way to to look at it for yourself as well. Cuz my my way is quite critical. I wish I'd started sooner. You should yeah, have started yeah, yeah. sooner. You're much more happened when it happened and that was the right way. Mm-hmm. I prefer I prefer your yeah. reflective your <laughs> reflection to mine. Oh, yeah. that's a nice place to finish. Yeah, let's finish there. <laughs> Okay, so before we uh, open the post box, we have had some people ask us, A, how they can leave a review, and B, where they can find the links to all the stuff that we mentioned. So we thought we'd just quickly run through how you do both of those things. So do you want to do it That's Jess? Because you're really good at leaving people reviews and I'm not, so you you know how to do that. (laughs) Reviews matter. They really (laughs) matter. And I didn't realise until recently. And now I I sprinkle reviews all over the internet wherever I go. It actually feels really nice to leave someone a review for something that you've enjoyed it. Okay, so most of our listeners listen via Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. So the way to find the show notes is literally just to 
scroll down to the bottom of the episode. Oh, like that's what you'll hear. <laughs> that's what you'll hear. <laughs> I'm not techie at all. Right, so when you're listening to the episode, you just scroll down and there should be a links to things we talked about in this episode. And then all the links are there. And I also copy and paste those onto my blog post as well. And then to leave a review, you just have to go into your library and hopefully you're subscribed to the podcast. And if you scroll right down to the bottom, there is a ratings and reviews section. We're currently five out of five. And just to say thank you, everyone, who's leaving us all these lovely, lovely reviews. People are describing the podcast better than than we did, Kate. (laughs) It's lovely things like Verity said, a gentle podcast about big topics. I love that. Really, really nice. Natural conversations. Oh, just love it. Thank you. But the way to leave it is give us the, you can press which star you want to leave. So you can leave us from I don't know, one to five. And then but basically just that, do five. If you're if you're gonna leave a one star review, just don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what she said. Yeah, and you can just press write review and just leave us a, a few words if you want to. But it really does help to boost us in the iTunes chart and it is helping more people find us. And I just I don't know about you, Kate, but I feel like we're building a really special community around the podcast it's it's lovely so thank you to everyone who is liking it commenting it sharing it and reviewing it 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 does it means the the absolute world but on with the questions on with the questions so today's question comes from Gemma and she said hi Kate and Jessica this is following on from the amazing episode on clutter up until a year ago I was a compulsive shopper I never got into debt but now I've accumulated so much stuff I don't know what to do I shopped to make me feel better about myself. I was always looking for a new hobby, which always involved buying things, so card making, painting, scrapbooking. But it all just resulted in my small house being full of things I haven't used and probably never will. I've managed to overcome the shopping habit. I haven't been shopping in store or online since March last year, so that's like coming up to 12 months. I just don't know where to start. I look at the piles, shelves and boxes full of things and just feel exhausted by the idea of having to go through it all. I started selling off a few things and bagging things up for charity, but there's just so much more to sort through. I'm just overwhelmed by the whole thing. So I think this is one for you to start off with as our resident minimalist. (laughs) Resident minimalist. Gemma reminds me of you, Kate. You know what? I was reading through that. I was like, this is me. This is you. (laughs) This is you. Oh, I mean, Gemma, well done for a year long. Yeah, that's amazing. Sounds like you've done a year long shopping ban. That's incredible. It's interesting that you say you shopped to make yourself feel better about yourself and then you've not been shopping for a year. So I wonder what you've been doing to replace that, to make yourself feel good about yourself. I think a reframe may be in order. If you can reframe what shopping did for you and replace it with decluttering, I think that would be great. If you could think of decluttering as a way to make me feel better about myself. And I found that to be true. Decluttering feels amazing, as I've said over and over again. But with regard to the overwhelm, For me, it sounds like you're making it into one huge problem and you're kind of blowing it up into a giant storm cloud that has to be dealt with all at once. I think you'll agree with this, Kate, actually, but I I feel the answer is to 
break it down into mm. teeny tiny chunks, whatever you can do to feel manageable. And also, I would take the pressure off yourself. I mean, you don't actually have to declutter all this stuff. I think telling yourself, oh, I, you know, I need to declutter. And if you've got Marie Kondo in your head and, you know, perfect Pinterest houses, that's a lot of pressure. So take that off yourself. You don't have to declutter it at all, let alone all at once. Break it down, even if it's, you know, and do whatever feels best for you, Gemma. So it might be a, a drawer at a time. It might be a category at a time. Or you might want to do it, you know, in 10 minute bursts, whatever helps you. But I think if you break it down and take the pressure off, that will feel like a relief, I want to say. Um, And I know in the clutter episode, if anyone else hasn't listened to that, I did talk about finding your motivators. I would try and think about if you have decluttered in the past, what maybe got you motivated to do that? Because then you can reenact that so it might be watching Marie Kondo's show it might be I know sometimes I do decluttering stories you might want to tune in for those (laughs) I'm always there to cheer people on or drop me a dm whatever yeah find whatever motivator works for you and then and then keep revisiting that and I think I think that should work but well done on your shopping bag that's that's just that's so incredible but find things other things that do make you feel good as well that's so important because when a shopping ban becomes deprivation that's a that's not good that's a recipe for disaster deserve good things <laughs> what i find interesting about Gemma's email and i think the reason why i relate to it so much is that it doesn't sound like she's emotionally connected to any of the stuff it is just oh it's, like it's just dead weight yes yeah yes. exactly and that's where i'm at so it's not even i can't even bear to go through everything because it's going to bring up emotions and i'm not gonna be able to say goodbye to mm-hmm. it it's more just like where do i start and for me i don't have a lot of things but i always i can put stuff in a box no problem so at the moment i've got a big cardboard box full of stuff to go to the charity shop and it's been sat by my front door for a month i'm on my way i've got a charity shop at the end of my road <laughs> i just can't get i and i vis i'm like oh but what if i go down there and the old ladies they go through it and they're not going to accept any of it and they're going to tell me i've done it wrong and then i have to bring it all the way back and then what am i going to do with it and then i think well maybe i'll sell it oh but then i have to find some packaging and I have to work out how much the postage is going to cost and then i have to make sure it doesn't break and then i have to take it to the post office and so i get that's what stops me and at the end i'm like i'll just keep it <laughs> Um, that it's fine to take stuff off the shelves, but then getting them out of the house, like I would literally just fly tip it if I had no conscience. <laughs> like I'd just go leave it in the street somewhere. Don't do that. I'm not going to do that. Everybody, please don't write in. I'm not going to fly tip. <laughs> I'm absolutely not going to fly tip. But like I can kind of understand why people we do, do not it approve because... fly tipping. <laughs> but yeah, that. So I am. I, I mean. I'm definitely projecting my own stuff there, but that might be some of what is overwhelming Gemma, especially if there's all this stuff and it has a certain value that you can't just put it in a bin or take it to the tip. But all the ins and outs of getting rid of it is just like overwhelming. But you have got rid of stuff in the past. Um, Not really. (laughs) 
you have you, you sent me message yeah you've sent me oh yeah, oh, yeah. you've been too hard I did on do yourself that. you sent me pictures of stuff piled up and you got someone to come and take it away yeah i did that's what i need i need someone to take it away come can you yeah. can you just come over and again <laughs> you know that's what feels easiest i think having a you know like a bit of a flow chart as to what you do with what can really help because it takes that decision process away mm. maybe and it doesn't always have to be a charity shop look I mean, pl- please, people, don't don't just throw clothes in the bin. Um, anything we can do to keep them out of landfill is so much better for the environment. But there are clothes banks everywhere. Mm. So you could literally just put all those clothes in a box, the, you know, the dead weight. And I've seen them in multi-story car parks. We've got one down the road. You see them in supermarkets. Just, just leave them there. Yeah, this is the trouble, though, is that clothes are fine. It's stuff, which it sounds like it's a lot of Gemma's is stuff like card making stuff and books and trinkets yeah and I think again it's a case of it's a case of recycling what you can starting small breaking it down and doing what you whatever you can do to motivate yourself to do it but look that you know at the end of the day the decision always comes down to the person unless you want to hire a professional declutterer oh would they take it away (laughs) Yeah, I think they would, yeah. I think they would. I don't think Marie Kondo does that. She's mm. she's a bit above that. <laughs> but yeah, unless you want to hire someone, it, it's up to you. And it's a case of, is it what's more important? You know, what feels better, living with it or living without it? And you, you have to make the decision. But breaking it down always works for me. <laughs> well, I'll stew on that further. And hopefully it's helped Gemma to kind of know where to, to make a start. Um, so if you have a question of your own, you can email it to us. Uh, the address is thelittlechapters at gmail.com. And as we said, we're not ending the season. We are going to carry on until the end of the end of time. So <laughs> send us a question and we'll be answering it very soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Little Chapters. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode and found it inspirational and perhaps a little bit galvanising too. If you have a friend who you think would really benefit from this conversation, please do send them the link to the episode. Yeah, we want to reach as many people as possible and hopefully build up a bit of a community around the podcast as well. So if you can think of anyone who might benefit from this episode, please, please share it with them. And if you could leave us a review and a rating in iTunes as well, that will help to boost us and help other people find us. Thank you so much and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.